From in-depth analysis of basketball and football to life advice, Ryan Russillo has got you covered on the Ryan Russillo podcast. Join him as he talks to some of the best names in sports while providing sharp analysis and wit you won't find elsewhere. Check out the Ryan Russillo podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Hello and welcome to Group Chat, the Ringer's weekly NBA group discussion where we can't lose even when we're winning. I am Justin Verrier. Joining me today, Rob Mahoney. I think we can still lose. We could still lose. Uh, later in the episode, or pretty much coming up right now, we are going to talk to the Light Years bros, uh, Andy Liu and Sam and Spendiari from the Light Years podcast in order to get into the depths of Warriors Misery, which... Uh, seems to be pervasive on my Twitter timeline. I feel like there's a a nice combination of just thoroughness and just like the ability to analyze uh, a team, but also batshit crazy that I find endearing in a lot of the best fan bases. Most typically, we see this with the Knicks because uh, it pretty much every Knicks fan also has a pilot on NBC. Uh, but nowadays, I, I look and I'm just... I enjoy being by the fire as as the Warriors uh, struggle here and their fans react to it. It's great to see both sides of someone's brain at war in real time between the reasonable side and the reactionary side. And I mean, the Warriors are living that day by day. There's a, there's a lot to vent about. There's a lot to pick nits with. And I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of it. Sure. Uh, we were going to do uh, an entire podcast on Big Kerm, our producer's takes on Paul Pierce, and his firing from ESPN, but he refuses to go on mic to talk about it. So uh, we'll pivot here quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might. I might. Since, oh. you, since you already brought it up, oh. I, I guess I'll ISO real quick. Okay. I'll start by saying, you know, I'll come come honest to this podcast. I'm a Lakers fan. I love to shit on Paul Pierce anytime I can. But to get fired on your day off to be around some <laughs> bodacious women and have a couple drinks, it's a little unreasonable to me. But that's all I'll say. You know, we're not going to do a whole hour on it, but I'll leave it there and we can kind of get to the main segment. Did you say bodacious women? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bodacious woman. That's what the new name of this podcast should be. <laughs> I can't wait for group chat after dark. You know, everyone subscribe to our Patreon or apparently our OnlyFans and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll spin that off into something nice for y'all. All right. Uh, on that note, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the Lightyears guys about the Warriors. All right. We're back. And joining us uh, from the Lightyears podcast, Sam Fendiari and Andy Liu. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us in this, the dark times of, of the Warriors fandom. The return to Chris Cohan, the, the return <laughs> to the Cohan era is, is right underway. I feel right at home. No. That's right. I, I've been seeing a lot of Monte references these days. Does it feel like we're we're getting back to the good slash bad times? It does feel familiar. It does feel like the pre light years days where um, they're saying one thing, doing the other. It's uh, you know, Fitz is on the broadcast trying to tell you you're watching the most beautiful brand of basketball of all time. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm watching Kent Bazemore dribble it off his foot. And it's uh, it, it just brings back memories of like the OOs and and kind of the the real peak of what we think of as like the Chris Cohan era, right? So uh, losers of seven of the past eight, twelve of the past sixteen, uh, the fifty three point loss, Curry's tailbone, which seems to be an issue every couple of days. Uh, but where for you guys does the discontent kind of start? Andy, is it, is it Steve Kerr? He's the one I see get most of the ire, but would you say he's like most to blame if we're cutting up the, the blame pie here? I, I had no idea the Warriors were 12 of their last 16. You put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I mean, for a guy that has as much... I think people don't understand that Steve Kerr has the power that you know most most people think that coach GM people have. Like He has the ability to pretty much do whatever he wants. Uh, for this franchise. And I think like it makes sense, right? He's, he's helped the team win three championships. He led him to three titles. Uh, the two titles that he lost one, you can kind of blame on him, but you know, some of them you just lose. And then the second one it's injuries, right? Like you just, you just lose that one to Toronto, but he kind of has the ability to do whatever he wants on this team. And I think this season, uh, if you were to say, if you, if I were to ask you guys, if there's one thing that the Warriors were going to come out this season with, it's not a championship. It's not a Western Conference Finals appearance. It's it's probably, you guys are probably, hopefully, would tell me like, James Wiseman looks amazing, right? They would develop some young guys to look great. Maybe, maybe Kelly Oubre, stuff like that. But it's kind of been the opposite, actually. So I think it's really the inability to, to have some of the younger players look good. Really, it's James Wiseman. It, it's really like, it's James Wiseman looks awful. And that's kind of the thing that's most disappointing on a team that really has nothing to play for outside of that. To add to that, he looks worse today than he looked in January. That's really where, you know, it. if he looked bad all year, we might have a different conversation about like scouting and should they've even drafted him. But he looked a lot better in January up until, I mean, I, I don't know where I want to pick the drop-off point, but the first like 20 or so games, he looked a lot better. Obviously, he's been yo-yoed in and out of the starting lineup. Um, and you see it, you see it with body language. Like there was not bad body language in the early part of the year. Now you basically have like, I mean, I, I thought it was uh, interesting. Like Anthony Slater wrote kind of an article basically saying like, you know, he needs to improve at these things. And you see like warrior players quote tweeting, like it's his, like, why are you attacking him? That sort of thing. It's like, 
I don't know that uh, Slater's article is any more critical than every piece he puts out every other day. It almost feels like like now everyone's aware that he has confidence issues and they're trying to protect him type of deal going on there. So uh, it's, you know, they said they um, want to make the playoffs and develop. They want to win while developing. They're going to do neither. So I would have been okay <laughs> with them chasing wins and not developing Wiseman or not chasing wins and developing Wiseman, but not chasing wins and not developing Wiseman. It's just kind of like, what are we doing here? Yeah, there's definitely a one or the other quality with that, that, you know, I, I think we do need to, you know, we need to qualify this with Clay's injury, not only how major it was, but the timing of it, obviously. But I think that justifies starting the season slow, 50 games into it there should be a plan on one of those fronts. And I, I think it, it really, their situation now illustrates how flying by the seat of their pants they were in terms of some of that stuff. And just assuming if we have these core guys, it's going to work out. If we have these components in place, Wiseman's development, we can kind of take for granted in certain ways. Where are you guys on the Warriors as a developmental franchise, as it applies to Wiseman? I mean, this is, <laughs> this is not a team with a great track record of developing talent other than the core guys. You know, they've certainly come, Ooh. a lot of role players have come in and out uh, how hey are man, you fl- Looney, Looney's out there still. Looney's <laughs> right. out there still. No. I, I, I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, they have done no developing since Steve Kerr took over because he took over a 50-win team. He did change everything and took what was kind of a run-of-the-mill solid playoff team and turn it into a juggernaut, which is arguably harder than, you know, the other job. But end of the day, like, they, they haven't had a lottery pick since he's been the head coach. They... I haven't even thought about player development. So it's kind of all, all I'm seeing now is, you know, not all coaching is the same, you know, just because someone is good at kind of scheming it up with veterans and coming up with creative, um, creative counters to how defenses want to play in the playoffs does not mean, you know, what to do with the 19 year old. Who's quite frankly, really raw. Oh. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's different types of coaching right? There, there's Steve Kerr is obviously a very good coach with the right players around him. Like there was no, there was no, probably no other coach in the league, maybe outside of like pop and, and maybe like Brad Stevens, I would say, cause he runs it maybe a similar system that would have brought this team from that Mark Jackson era to a freaking title in, in year one, which is, which is spectacular. But if you're talking about building a, a, a system or you're building up younger guys, Patrick McCall, Jordan Bell, you know, so, some of those guys that are not as, not as talented, but maybe need more confidence, maybe need more of a system that layers to their strengths. I think Jordan Poole is probably a pretty good example. We keep talking about James Wiseman, but Jordan Poole is a pretty good example of like a modern day player. He's, he needs to on his hands. He needs pick and roll. He's not that good. Like he's not good enough to run like the style that Steve wants. Probably more of a sixth man than like he, a frontline NBA player, just like long term. Yeah. Steve isn't, he's not trying to change who it's like Mark Jackson for, for the people that aren't following the Warriors day in, day out. It's like the it's like how Mark Jackson, I hesitate to say, kind of went down, but it's like he's not willing to budge from what he thinks is the right way to play basketball, which I think Sam and I don't disagree with. Because if you get the right guys, you got a fr- you got a freaking good basketball team. But man, you can't play that way with uh, with Wiseman, Poole, Pascal, some of these guys who aren't as talented. Kelly Oubre, Kelly Oubre, uh, Andrew <laughs> Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, this is the entire uh, roster now. Yeah. No, yes, we're naming everyone except for Steph. Really, no yeah. one's no one's confusing these guys for Andre Iguodala or just like insert any number of high IQ, um, you know, 
reads the game multiple reads ahead of time. Players that the Warriors had the pass. These are all kind of uh, give me one job to do and I'll do it type of players. Yeah, this just strikes me as kind of a, a Vinny Del Negro problem or like a reverse Vinny Ouch. Del Negro problem where like he was brought in to coach up the Eric Bledsoe, like Eric Gordon, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin team. Then all of a sudden Chris Paul comes and it's a completely different situation. Whereas Steve clearly showed like a brilliant like uh, ability to take a team and see something different in it and organize them in a way that just brought out their best attributes. Now he's being tasked with something completely different, which is a rebuilding situation, whether or not they want to accept that or not. Um, and if there is a criticism that I like wholeheartedly can agree with and get behind is just like that he hasn't adapted to the roster and what they have in front of him. He's still trying to recreate some of the ball movement, ball finds energy, motion stuff that, um, you know, read and react rather than, and this is the big topic du jour, I guess, <laughs> pick and roll with James Wiseman and Steph Curry. Uh, this seems to be almost like the battleground for a lot of like which side you are on um, in the Warriors kind of turf war here. Where do you guys fall, Sam, um, in terms of like maybe reorganizing the system, but also just like leaning more into pick and roll, which Steph apparently does spectacularly. I mean, look at this roster that they should be running kind of a pick and roll heavy, more traditional NBA type of roster at this point, James Wiseman, his his biggest attribute is his athleticism and size, right? He's shown ability to kind of be a very productive dive man, hit a few spot ups here and there. None of it's perfect, but it's like he can at least do that at an NBA level as opposed to, you know, some of these dribble handoffs or setting screens off ball, expecting him to kind of read the way the weak side defense is playing him to cut or anything. Like he's so far away from being able to figure that out and like – Again, I don't know any 19-year-old big man who's really suited for that role anyway. Um, it, it just seems to me, you know, we like to talk about uh, coaches like Spolstra or uh, Nick Nurse or Greg Popovich. I'm like, yes, yeah, so they're three of the best coaches in the NBA. They have now had how many different styles of rosters and played different variations of basketball. Steve Kerr, in some ways... Um, he always likes to talk about how like Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich, and all these guys are his mentors. And you can see little bits of everything in him. This feels like distinctly Phil Jackson, where it's like, this is my way. <laughs> yes. I don't care if it's, if you don't, you will fit into it and, or, or we'll bring in players who do. And I feel like that's what the Warriors have to decide on. They either need to make a decision. We want, you know, Steve's not changing what he wants to do. So we need to target those players or, figure out how you can get him to change it or bring in a new coach because this whole, you know, fitting a square peg into a round hole. Uh, I, I don't know how many more games that I can watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, being like Greg Popovich to me means putting pragmatism over taste, right? Like Steve clearly does not have a taste for pound the rock, high pick and roll, James Harden style basketball. He's made that very clear. Greg Popovich also has been on the record for a long time saying he hates threes, hates what they do to the game, hates their impact. And yet the Spurs, especially in the early 2010s, right there at the top of the league in the top 10 in, in three-point rate and stuff like that. Getting Kerr to that point where he is more adaptive, where he's willing to, to do more pick and roll, where he's willing to do what this roster needs, it does seem like such a, a far way for him to go given the proclivities he's shown this season, I think. There's one last thing I want to throw in this. It's it's made worse by the fact that every fifth press conference, 
he mentions how they're going to play more pick and roll. You know, we're changing things up. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think there's been like 10 different resets on the Warriors season. You know, it's like we got to pull Wiseman out of the lineup. We, you know, he's going to learn more this way. Now he's starting. We're going more pick and roll. We're going more this way. You know, Jordan Poole has to do that. It, it feels like every five to 10 games, we get like this, like state of the union address where it's like going forward, we'll do this. They do it for one to two games and then it goes back to what they were doing beforehand. Yeah, I mean, the latest issue is now that Wiseman is starting, but he just didn't play that much in the most recent game against Atlanta. And so it just takes me back to just the original thing that we talked about, which I wonder if this is just an impossible task in order to bridge the divide between Steph and Draymond and Wiseman and all of these younger guys. And so it kind of brings me to the next possible suspect if we're, if we're dividing up the blame here. And I wonder how much it's the front office trying to really have their cake and eat it too by building up the young guys while simultaneously still not necessarily playing for a title because I don't know if anybody expected that. But at the very least, I think everyone was on record as saying we could be pretty good. I mean, they're still saying that they could they see themselves as like a top four team in the West. And so I wonder, like, does Steve have and Andy, I'm curious your thoughts here, like have like the raw materials in order to do this? Because I watched that second unit and I look out there and I'm like, this is this is terrible. I'm a little surprised because we've had a lot. Sam and I do feel like we're on an island sometimes with kind of the the Warriors criticism. And it's not Warriors media fault because you got to protect the relationships. And it's <laughs> sure. National media is different because you guys, I'm a little surprised that you guys kind of feel that way a little bit about Steve Kerr because we've seen a lot of national media that's more, well, Clay's out. What can you do? Right. Uh, you guys have won a lot of titles. You got to kind of live with this, right? And, and you know, let's see what happens next season when, when the reset kind of happens. Um, I'm a little surprised because some of this have been has been simmering for a long time. If you look at kind of the coaching staff that the Warriors have today, can you really look at the coaching staff and tell me that these guys have an elite, like, idea, kind of developmental staff, right? You look, you look at the names and... Like Brown's a cool dude. Are other teams trying to hire their guys <laughs> is a better way to put it. Because in the early years, everyone was trying to hire everyone out of the wars. They took They're trying to them. fire them now because yeah. Luke Walton is on the hot seat every year. Alvin <laughs> well, didn't make it in New Orleans. Be yeah. Nice to have Alvin back. And I think that kind of goes to the front office, actually. Like some of the stats guys that the Warriors have had, some of the really, you can even go down to the medical Jerry West staff. is that a famous hired. name. Yes. You know, he, Jerry famous. West is a famous name, but there's really kind of some of the young, some of the other names that have, like Travis Schlenk. I don't like you guys. Let me know if he's done a great job. I would say it's kind of <laughs> okay, but it'd be nice to have Travis Schlenk on the Warriors front office right now. Like he'd be a guy that I think the Warriors, frankly, they miss. Um, so I, I just don't think that the Warriors are that talented, really, not just on the court, but in the front office and on the coaching staff that people might remember. Like they're not light years. <laughs> they're they're not. They might be light years behind uh, at this point. They they they're running an antiquated, I think, system that I think was they won them a title and helped them win a few titles and leered kind of uh, Kevin Durant here. But since then, it's it's been kind of it's been behind the times. Yeah. I, I mean, I just go back to what I was saying about Kerr there just a little bit is, is I wonder if like this even applies to the front office that you could be good at one thing and not another thing. Whereas like, I guess Bob Myers did strike gold in that 2012 draft. But since then, like the drafting hasn't been there. But his big moves in like in particular, Kevin, like learn Kevin Durant have been good. I think like getting D'Angelo Russell for 
for literally nothing was a stroke of brilliance if you're willing to pay that price. And he turned that into the Wolves pick and, and Wiggins. But like, so there's this like, he's good at the big splashy moves and maybe the, the like the existing players uh, and that. But like scouting has just been a disaster where they haven't had a good draft picks in Tremont basically. Well, wise men, but yeah. That's been a fun debate. Is it the drafting or the player development? And um, my boring answer is probably both. <laughs> yeah, I don't sure. think either. I don't think either deserves like an A mark in any sort of. I think thing. it's like, more development. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can, can we can pick and point. Like, it's hard to argue Wiseman over Lamelo, but it's also hard to argue Wiseman should be as bad as he is. Also, so it's like that. That goes. That's kind of a strike against both of them. You pick the wrong guy, and you're developing him wrong anyway. So. It's yeah. almost impossible to judge when you play this way, right? Like we can't right. even tell what James Wiseman is when you take a 19-year-old and ask him to read split cuts and do things he's not like he's played very little meaningful basketball in his life before showing up to the Warriors and you're asking him to run and help run one of the most sophisticated offenses in the NBA. It just that part never made sense to me and I think speaks to what we've been talking around here which is kind of a disconnect between the way that the team is coached and the style they play and the way it was built. If you want to say that's a disconnect between the front office and coaching, you can. If we want to say Steve is kind of in both camps at once, we can. You know, it's a complex issue. I don't know. I don't know how to make sense of it because this is a team that usually has a lot of synergy in how it's run. I was going to say, and the one thing I'm seeing now is, yeah, it does feel like there's more and more of a disconnect, right? It's it, because it seems to me the front office is being ultra protective of their draft picks. And like, really, it almost feels like Danny Ainge-ish, like with the Celtics, where it's like they're waiting to make only that home run move. And in doing so, they, they it feels like they pass on like all these marginal moves that would have just made them a little bit better. But it's like, you know, we don't want to trade for this guy because we want to get Anthony Davis. Like, well, yes, we all want to get Anthony Davis on our favorite team. But like that that sort of thing, it, it seems like that's where like the, a big part of the disconnect is. I will say this in defense of Kerr too, where from the time that Clay goes down, they have a decision to make, which is do we want to run like kind of a one-year improvisational offense that's more pick-and-roll based, that's outside of what we do? Or are we building toward eventually him coming back and trying to contend again. I, I can see the argument against completely changing what you do for a season in the hopes of eventually getting back to the offense they want to run. I guess the, it's a fair question to wonder, though, if they're ever going to be able to run that offense again if this is what the bulk of their team is going to look like. Yeah, that, that's, that's, the que- like, that's the question, right? Like, if you have Iguodala and Clay and Sean Livingston, but, like, if you have those guys, you can run any offense, mostly. I mean, that's, that's the optimal offense because... Iggy can't shoot. Sean can't shoot. Uh, and some loony, right? Like those guys. But you got to kind of change the idea of that. The craziest part is that the Warriors changed basketball. Steph Curry changed offense. Draymond Green changed, changed defense. And then the rest of the league said, well, we're going to do, you know, kind of piss poor versions of that. And they caught like those versions have caught up and flew right by the Warriors. Like the switching defense that every basketball team has done now just kind of it works perfectly against the Warriors because you got Kent Bazemore handling the basketball. That's that's what happens, right? Like what Kent Bazemore probably won't win any playoff games for you or or any type of basketball games for you. But if you put him in a situation where he doesn't have to dribble the ball all the time, I think that's what we're arguing. That's kind of what we're arguing. It's that this season the Warriors were never going to win a title, but they should not be four games on a five hundred, and they're going to be five tonight because they're playing the Bucks, who have been awesome in the last few weeks. So it's like. You cannot be four games with this team 
under 500. It's unacceptable. <laughs> it, yeah. it, re- it really is. They kind of didn't do them any services because they basically built the model for like what teams want. And now they haven't been able to find a shooter ever since. Like everybody Crazy. wants a three and D guy. Crazy. And now it's becoming like, it's, it's impossible to really find those guys. And I, if you want to get into the minutia of it, the shooters they have, they don't play. You know, that's the other thing about it. It's like you got Damian Lee who, okay, no one's going to, you know, confuse him for Clay Thompson because there's really only one Clay Thompson. But like 40% three-point shooter, really good at moving off ball, has good synergy with Steph and Draymond. All lineup data points to when they're next to each other, it is generally above average to borderline elite offense. He gets yo-yoed in and out of the lineup um, because they're prioritizing defense, a defense which hasn't really produced anything. Like I guess they're 10th in the NBA, but they have 109, 110 defensive rating. Like it, They're good at causing turnovers against bad teams. It's basically what they're good at. Um, it, it comes back to like, you know, we're 50 games in and we haven't really learned anything about anyone other than Steph Curry is just as good as he was at age 27, 28. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This kind of brings me to Draymond, though. Because as revolutionary as Draymond has been on the defensive end and like how much of a pop he gave them upon his return and like the ball started moving and the defense started looking good and he was yelling at Wiseman and that looked cool because it seemed like he was coaching up these guys and really having an impact on thing. Uh, I watch him and I'm like, why does he look like 40 year old Jason Kidd without a three pointer? Like he's basically a pass first (laughs) point guard on the court now and while like he's still absolutely brilliant and I love watching him just like destroy things on the defensive end sometimes I'm just like I don't know if you can really pay that much to that guy and still run a credible offense especially because like if let's say you wanted to run pick and roll well if you want Draymond out there like you could see it even in that that Hawks game where like the defenders were dragging basically into the paint and like he just has this ocean of space around him and he just doesn't know what to do because he's not going to fire it up. It's almost like you could build a moat in between the amount of space he has and still have space on either side of it because that's how much defenders just won't respect that. And so I do wonder to a certain extent if you're going to devote most of your cap space to Steph, Draymond, Clay, well, Clay is out and Draymond just doesn't seem like the same player anymore. And I do wonder like, is that going to be an issue, Andy? What do you think like uh, coming up here where like maybe Draymond isn't the future of this team if they can get things back together next year? Which, which is, which makes the, which makes the Wiseman pick a little more curious. I actually liked the Wiseman pick. I thought, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I wasn't a huge mellow fan, um, but Part of that, I think the problem with Draymond is what are we asking for from him? Is it is it five shots a game? Is it ten points a game? Because I don't know, man. It's not that hard. <laughs> I'm not. It's hard for me. It's hard for Rob and, and Justin and Sam probably. <laughs> but it's 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 not hard for Draymond to average ten points a game. You are a freaking. You're a professional athlete, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's we. I spent all season saying if you just score ten points a game. 
I don't care if you do it on 42% shooting. I don't care if you do it on 46, like 35% shooting, which is what he's shooting from the field right now, whatever it is, right? I think it's mental. Like a lot of this stuff is mental and it's confidence. So whose fault is that? Is that Draymond? Is that Steve Kerr? If you guys remember, and I'm sure you do, Draymond shot, I believe, Sam, correct me, almost 40% from three. Since then, just downhill, right? And some of that's injury, but how much is, of that is injury? Because to me, it just feels mental the way he's kind of just, he's a traffic cop, which is what Sam has said, said so many times. He's, a tra- he's out there just pointing at people what to do. It's awesome, though, when you have Ubre and Wiggins, I think, and, and Wiseman, I think three of the, the dumbest players in the league that have no <laughs> idea what they're doing. Like, it's cool. I think it's cool to an extent. But then it, it kind of maxes out, right? You just need a guy that'll shoot a five foot floater. It's really not, you're not asking, like, you're not asking for the world. And I think that's the tough part. People say all, there's all this stuff with Draymond. It's like, man, like, can you do this? It's not hard to score 10 points playing next to Steph Curry. Steph Curry, there are three guys on him. It mm-hmm. should not be that difficult. He makes it seem like it's pointy sometimes. So, like, he makes a layup and you're, you're like, oh my God, he made a layup. Whereas it's a layup. It's and it's and it's worth noting his best stretch of basketball this year is when they played him at the five and uh, when yeah, when, sure. um, when they put extra shooters in the lineup yeah. again like they don't have elite shooting but like there's such a big difference between a guy who shoots 38 39 percent and like demands a closeout and Kelly Oubre and Looney, I mean, like specifically like Looney and some of these guys on the roster are just like, no one's even going to guard him. And and that's literally when, when that stretch was going on, you know, the Warriors were playing, I don't know, like no worse basketball than say Portland or Dallas, which is probably the maximum ceiling of this specific year's roster without Clay Thompson anyway. Yeah. I guess I hesitate to blame Steve for this. It's just, it's tough when you got a player that just won't shoot five. It's, it's hard. <laughs> Rob, you're the voice of reason here. So uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I just wish that Sam hadn't shattered the illusion of looking at Draymond's stats as we're going through this. I, I like to think you have the 38.8 <laughs> like tattooed on your <laughs> bicep uh, in immortality forever. <laughs> I mean, it just, look, it, it took Draymond like two months to be anything but an enormous problem on offense this season. Like it, he had to really ramp up even to get to this level. That's just not an acceptable thing for your second best player to be like, and there's reasons for that. We can go through that. But if that's your situation, you're going to be a mediocre team, especially when you're relying on young guys, you're relying on new guys who don't know the offense yet at the beginning of the season. You're relying on, as we've covered guys who aren't suited to a read and react style, like dream, what Draymond does poorly sandbags, all of these other problems to be even worse than they actually are. And so, you know, it's hard to run pick and roll with anyone but Draymond when he's on the floor because of the way defenses guard him. So it, there's just so many complications that come from his offense. I love his defense. I love his passing. And, and in terms of the long term, I don't know how you find another player who gives you what he does, especially if you're trying to get back to your style of play. Like Those guys are hard to come by. You're probably better off plugging Clay back in, hoping for the best and trying to piece together other trades, work around the edges. Like... As much as anything, Draymond does kind of lock you into this style. And there is the the other point, which is as long as you have Steph Curry, you want another player on the floor who can handle the ball because you're just going to waste, you know, the stuff he does off ball if he has to be the, you know, pure point guard in the way that like, you know, Chris Paul or someone else is like he can do it, but you're wasting I guess what makes him more special than like Damian Lillard and some of these other scoring guards, right? 
Uh, so, so getting rid of Draymond, like, I mean, they, if Draymond's out of the lineup, they literally just have to go straight, you know, conventional pick and roll offense. Cause I don't see any other way they could even generate a shot, you know, run it through, uh, you know, Looney in the pinch post or something like that. Like, yeah, sure. Right. That's not going to work, but, um, that's another consideration. So like, you can't even move off of Draymond green that easily. And that's ignoring the fact that like, he's probably still one of the two best defensive players in the league. He can definitely still play at that level. So he is kind of a, a difficult player, but like, it's hard to replace all the things he does for the team. Yeah, I, I do. I do think Andy's point about why would you draft Wiseman if you are committed to Draymond in the future is, is a really good one because I mean, I didn't know shit about like these draft po- prospects, so I'm not going to pretend like I foresaw LaMelo Ball coming, but like he just seems like exactly the type of player you would want in that system. And especially since the Warriors kind of made their bones in the draft in recent years by just cycling through like first round, last pick of the draft, big men, and just giving them a shot because that's what, you know, like so basically they, they pioneered this idea that like you can find centers anywhere and they're probably even more prevalent and easier to find these days. I don't know why even though Wiseman has all these skills and like potentially he could be something more and maybe he's like uh, Anthony Davis five years from now. I don't know. But like, it just seems like the type of style they want to play. It seems like LaMelo would fit that. He seems LaMelo strikes me as someone that's like evolutionary Sean Livingston. And I would love to see <laughs> those guys, that guy play with well, Steph and Draymond. We, we get back to the, the age old question or problem. It, it's kind of Steve Kerr. Isn't it? it? It's does Steve Kerr really want to play the style that the Warriors played when they won? Like it's that small ball style. I think they wanted to play the style with Bogut, where you kind of have that impossible to guard offense with five IQ guys. Hundred percent, he wants to play that style. But did he want to play the Draymond Green at the five style? Because if we remember correctly, uh, David Lee was supposed to be the starter, and Draymond Green, and he got hurt. And Draymond Green kind of took his, he kind of pipped him, right? He, he took his job because he was fantastic. Um, and he's still fantastic. So I, I don't, that, that's kind of the question. And that Wiseman uh, pick screams to me like, and people keep saying Bob Myers, Bob Myers, Bob Myers. Like Bob Myers has nothing to do. Like Bob Myers has no pull in the horse organization. He kind of just sits around and he'll say, yeah, I like Wiseman, uh, I like Mello. And then Steve Crow will say, well, I don't give a shit. Bob Myers has to manage both up and down. Yeah, he doesn't. He's a classic middle manager. Classic. Hopefully, Steve Kerr didn't want to do another edition of the Flying Coach podcast because I don't know if uh, <laughs> want that into this. Okay, so I, I think one thing that Andy Andy hit on this, and I you know I don't want to go too deep into the the rabbit hole, but I feel like no, please just when jump the, in when the, when the chips are down, you know you see someone's true character and it's worth noting Steve coach, Steve Kerr is the co the, the person who broke up seven seconds or less for Shaq. So I was getting there Sam. That's perfect. Yep. And in game seven of the 2016 finals for no explicit reason plays Festus Azili in the fourth quarter. And well, no, actually we know the reason he thought they were, he thought they were getting killed on the, on the boards. Too early for this. They needed size. They needed size. (laughs) Um, Finally, he said it in other interviews. I mean, he's concerned with being able to match up with the Anthony Davis, Jokic's of the world. All of this is completely in line, by the way, with, you know, Pop and Phil Jackson, kind of all their, you know, kind of orthodoxy on like the value of bigs and everything in basketball. So I do think, you know, if the Wiseman pick goes sideways, everyone's going to start playing the blame game and saying like, well, you know, I wanted to take Lamelo, but you know, 
the front office really wanted Wiseman, that sort of thing. And I just don't think you can do that. I think across the board, um, I'm not sure that they're as innovative with some of the things as they claim to be like innovative would have been taking Lamella ball and just being like, yeah, Draymond's going to play the five. We're going to do it. Good luck guarding Steph, Clay, Lamello, Draymond at the five, and we'll find a hyper-athletic wing to put at the four position or something like that. I like how Wiggins is even in the picture here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I, 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 maybe maybe he Wiggins. fits a hyper-athletic wing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it all, it, it's, you know, we can, we can debate it. I, I'm, I'm obviously not a huge fan of taking bigs that high either, but mm-hmm. it is what it is at this point. Well, what does the future look like for this team? Uh, because this year, I mean, maybe they salvaged something in order to make something of a playoff run or a play and run. But I think the bigger question is more on the horizon because this draft pick almost exacerbates the current divide here, the, the Wolves draft pick coming up here, where it's if they get it this year, it's going to be a top three pick. And thus, is it top four protected or top three? Top three. Top three. Okay, so it's going to be a top three pick, which means they're going to be faced with the problem of drafting another top three guy or trading it. And then if they don't get it, they're kind of in a similar situation. Do they do they keep it or are they not? I guess that's the problem. Do they keep the draft pick? Do they do they keep building through the draft or do they trade it in order to get help now? Do you guys like have a feeling one way or the other like what you would want to see happen? <laughs> if they keep the pick and they draft someone... Two, two things. Number one, do you trust them to draft the right guy? Two, do you trust them to develop the guy the right way? Like that's like Jalen Green, I think, is kind of like the, the name that I like throwing out there this season because he's the guy that the Warriors probably don't really like. <laughs> and he's the guy that the prize won't really Warriors won't really be able to develop. Like he's a high talent guy. He's like Anthony Edwards, like, but better, but more talented, more athletic, all of those. He's the Anthony Edwards. On same, same type of player. Yeah, yeah, same type of player that the Warriors don't really like. You're just like, eh, I don't know. Like LaMelo Ball, like you mentioned, Justin, is someone that he that the Warriors would like, but you know, Steve has a grudge with his dad. So, you know, that guy's not getting picked. And it's another problem. Uh with the Warriors. So, like, what the hell are we doing here? Um I I think with all that being said, yeah, you gotta trade the pick. Can you wait for a guy? And that's if they get the pick. Can you wait for a guy again? And then they get their own pick, which is probably gonna be in the lottery, maybe in the middle lottery at this point. But then it's like, unless they're drafting Scotty Barnes, who again can't shoot but is smart, then what's the point of picking someone? Right? I would trade those guys because the Wiseman stuff is just it's just it just says so much about this organization, right? It just says so much. We're kind of missing the biggest point here. Steph Curry's still one of the yeah. five best players in the league. They mm-hmm. need to go all in. Like I, I've, I've, uh, I tried to talk myself into the idea that they could pull off a Spurs type thing where, you know, they draft Kawhi Leonard and they're able to like never have to do that. And I'm just like, 50 games into this, I'm like, I don't know how the Spurs even pulled that off. It's, it's not happening. It's, it's like, uh, it's like how every team thought by bottoming out, they would get, you know, KD, Russell Westbrook and James Harden in consecutive drafts. And it's like, no, you're more likely to get like Mo Bamba and maybe Jonathan <laughs> Isaac. And like, yes. Yeah. Now you're just kind of sitting here wondering like, okay, we got a couple nice players and a couple busts, but um, I, I think they need to go all in and um, just go for it because it would be just such a shame to watch uh, the rest of Seth's career be mired in like, 
you know, mediocrity like this, or from warrior fan perspective for him to want to leave in a year. Cause it's like, all right, you guys are rebuilding. I'm going to go back to Charlotte. Oh, that would be a, a real blow considering <laughs> the draft. Anyway. Um, but like, you know, insert any, if he wants to leave, I'm sure he's not going to have a hard time finding a super team. Um, so I, I just think the warriors have to be realistic with themselves, which is like, this is the best player we have ever drafted. And uh, you know, he's like Mr. Warrior. He's going to go down as the most beloved player in franchise history. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And the best warrior of all time. Right. Like, I mean, Katie and Wilt all have like brief stints there. You know, none of them have been Mr. Like decade plus and like everything that Steph means you got to go for it while he's still playing at this level. Yeah. They've got to trade that pick and that does awful things to their leverage in those negotiations for trades. I don't know how you're expecting to get good value for it because everyone in the league knows the score here. Right. I also I also wonder how much of that was in their plans with Wiseman the whole time. Where if they looked at, you know, on, on draft day, they looked at their trade options, they didn't love them. They took Wiseman as a way to preserve the value of that spot, saying, okay, this is a guy who we know will probably be more attractive to a wider variety of teams than Lamelo, who for as great as he is, I think had probably a higher bust potential than Wiseman did. Right. And so you 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 basically kick that can down the road in terms of we have to make that decision later. We don't like what's out there now. You know, this is this is the same franchise that swore up and down that it it got D'Angelo Russell to pair with Steph because they wanted <laughs> to see how the fit worked, not to trade him eventually. And of course they traded him eventually. So So it's a Ponzi scheme, is what you're saying. It's just <laughs> they they keep kicking it down the road. D'Angelo becomes a draft pick, the draft pick becomes something else. Right. Yeah. I mean, why not? And that, and that's what, and that's why I made the Celtics analogy because I feel like they're so, you know, they, they don't want to sell low. They're really like think they can pull off the home run, um, and and I just don't see where it's coming. You know, I mean, granted, uh, there's like a star player who requests a trade every six months now, so maybe it does come. Who knows? But like, I, I feel like that's their whole thing. Like they they didn't want to trade the number two pick for, um, I don't know like Julius Randle or something like that, which is probably like the best they were going to get on draft night, right? Like Julius Randle, the nine pick for the number two or something like that was like the level of offer that they were fielding. And they didn't want to do that, but it's like the longer this goes, the older Steph Curry gets. So this episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 PM and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Well, let, let's rewind a bit for a second before we even get to, to next year's draft. 
you know, getting into the playoffs, I think, would be a huge deal for some franchises. You know, you got your Atlantas and your Memphis and your Charlotte. Like, those teams would kill to be the seventh seed to get in. We know that Golden State not making the playoffs or God, I mean, God forbid, not making the play-in would be a disaster given, you know, what this franchise is and where they've been. But like Draymond said, I mean, it's hard to get, when, when you've been in the finals for five straight years, it's hard to get up for a play-in game. It's hard, it's hard to motivate yourself for that being the end goal. If we know that missing the playoffs is a clear failure, Andy, do you think making the playoffs would actually mean anything at this point? All of this is really about Steph. It is really what it's about. It's how do you capitalize on how great he's going to be the rest of his career. And I think people have said, well, you might as well just lose the rest of your games. And I think that's just kind of disrespectful to the guy that really he built a freaking chase center, which is <laughs> just billion dollar stadium that, that Joe Lacob is going to make so much money off of in the next, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, that, that's part of it is that you're kind of just disrespecting the guy that brought you there. And we're not asking, I don't know if Sam and I are not, are not asking for the world. We're not asking for a second round appearance. We're not asking for the Western conference finals. At this point, we're asking for, can you just look like you belong on the same court? Because I don't know how often, God forbid, that you guys watch Wakona State Warriors games this season. Every time they play a contending team, they get blown off the floor within five minutes. Like tonight against the Bucks, I, I'll be happy if they don't, but they're going to be down 28 to eight. You might, you might jinx it into positivity tonight. I, honestly. That is the point. <laughs> the Bill Simmons reverse jinx is, is really what I'm trying to do. Um, but like it's from day one to now 50 games in, it is still that they get blown out off the floor against a contending team. Do you really think that Clay Thompson fixes all that as much as we all love Clay Thompson? That's, that's, it's, it's disrespectful to Steph Curry. And really it just, it says so much about what you're doing as a coach with two repaired legs, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Like what, like the guy can barely walk right now and you expect him to solve the issues that you have against like the Utah Jazz, they can't even stay on the floor against. And I don't even know if the Utah Jazz are like this, this NBA title, like first, like confirmed title. I don't know. It's, sure. it's a lot. Like it's a lot. It's a lot to see them just struggle. Like 50 points to the Raptors who have lost 13 of their last 14. 50 points? What is that? Let me ask you guys this. Because like uh, I think we're all in agreement here. Even if they make the playoffs, we're not getting uh, like – um, you know, Cinderella run to the finals or something like that. Um, do you think it matters in their ability to attract players next year? Because to me, the biggest case for making the playoffs and let's may- maybe making some noise, maybe they can scare Utah, push them, you know, seven games and everyone will walk away from it being like, man, they have just a little more talent. They're, you know, right through that team. Do you think that matters in their ability to? both attract free agents and like they're limited in that capacity, but more so be like the next star who demands a trade is going to have to kind of make it known that like they want to go to the warriors for this to happen. Does this even matter or are players beyond that to the point where they're like, "Mm, as long as Steph Curry's there, I want to be there or not. Yeah. I think Steph, being Steph again probably matters more than anything else. I think it's just stars want to play with other stars. And like, I can't imagine Bradley Beals like firing up League Pass tonight and just like watching, turning into the Bucks game. And like, if they don't compete, like, I don't know if that's Off going the list. to. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
I mean, I would be if I was Beal, for instance, since it seems like he is probably the most likely suspect this summer as a, as a possible target. I'd be more concerned about Draymond saying shit like he was saying the other day, basically saying, like, I won't get up for the play-in tournament because what has he dealt with in Washington if not just, like, players... I mean, to a certain or extent... Or perennial ex- play-in tournament, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's just, like... His problem is just like motivating guys in order to to get something together. I I, I would be curious to see what he thinks about um, Draymond just like not wanting to put the work in in order to like coach up some of these other guys. That, that that to me is just like I don't understand that, and I wonder if that's pervasive. I wonder if, the, if we're talking about like some of the issues of this team. I do wonder if perhaps like just the mindset of someone like Draymond being like I don't do this middle of the road shit like that trickles down to some of these other guys. And it just like, it creates this situation where when you are at the middle of the road, that is a terrible place to be. And it almost compounds all the issues we're talking about. Andrew Wiggins probably looking at this like, Oh, this is pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> exactly. I kind of like it guys. Like I'm playing pretty well. Right. Like, and so when they, they have that, um, I guess the, the vets got pissed off when they blew that Raptors game. I don't know how you can have that, but also have the Draymond comment simultaneously. It's just, it, it, they're in another world, it seems like. Well, I do think in terms of the free agent part two, we should hit on the league-wide respect level for Clay is super high. And I think players by default err on the side of giving other players the benefit of the doubt in terms of coming back from injury sure. and stuff like that. And those two things combined... I think a lot of other stars, guys on other teams, they would do their due diligence. They would ask questions about how Clay's doing, how far is he along really. And I mean, the realistic part is we just don't know if we're going to get 50% Clay Thompson next season or 80% Clay Thompson. There's a really wide range of possibilities there. But in terms of what other stars think, I think they would err on closer to Clay being Clay again, which is a pretty attractive thing to want to play next to, especially if you're a star who could fill in for some of what the Warriors need. I mean, how many players in this team do we, you know, as we talked about earlier, do we trust to dribble right now? I think that <laughs> that list is pretty small. And so if you're yeah. a Brad Beal, a guy who can do some of those things, right. you may not look at the Warriors situation as being that problematic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go darkest timeline real quick, uh, Steph, I believe, is a free agent uh, two summers from now. One summer from now, 2022. Right, right. Yeah. Right, yeah, if we're counting this. Yeah, right. So, uh do you guys worry about that at all? Especially as you get some of these LeBron is talking to Steph pseudo breaking news stories. That's a good one. That was a good one. The LeBron one doesn't worry me. Um, I guess a little bit. I, I'm also kind of like, I like the noise. Like I, I feel like the front office needs a little pressure. They need to, let's, let's call it as it is. They've been pretty lucky. Like Steph does not put pressure on them the way no. other stars around the leagues of his stature do. And he plays like the good soldier more times. Which, which than is that. actually a good thing, I think. It yeah. is a good thing. It's probably it's good it's, thing. it's probably the biggest reason for their sustained success over the OO or the ten. Do we call it the tens? I, don't, I never know what to call it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, I have no idea. Yeah. You almost said <laughs> the odds. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's and it whatever. Um, I the downside to that is, you know. The front office is definitely trying to long view this. Like whether you think they're really thinking about like a Wiseman Jalen Suggs future, or they're just trying to play that game so that they can get the best trade possible. They're posturing that they're not going to make a desperation deal Mm -hmm. for sure. Like they're not, they're not throwing everything they have to get miles Turner or something like that, you know, which would would be like, I, I guess kind of like a buy 
buy high thing where you like could have just had him for wise yeah could have just had him uh <laughs> it comes back to you know it, it, it is a little worrisome but i like the noise i think the noise is good because at some point you you're gonna have to deal with that and anything to kind of force them to be a little more aggressive is probably good the lebron steph thing reminded me i i can't believe we haven't gotten into this yet because if there was ever a storyline <laughs> that seemed like it was out of the light years labs, it would be James Wiseman and KD <laughs> having a constant communication. Oh, yeah. I, I'm curious to get y'all's take on on that particular relationship, which is understandably interesting to Warriors fans. Whoa, that's your boy, Sam. So tell him, <laughs> tell him. stop. Tell stop. Him. Um, I, I actually he he was referencing an overtime video, which I happened to have seen previously. I, I don't know. I was, I was on a you know James Wiseman YouTube rabbit hole one day. Anyway. Um, <laughs> As one does during these times. It, hey, got to look for signs of positivity in any way. Any way you can find them. Just pulling mm-hmm. up high school film to remind myself he is super talented. <laughs> um, isn't, isn't that just kind of how it goes in the league, though? Like I, all these guys who come through uh, AAU circuit, particularly guys who are known to be like future top 10, top five picks from age like 15 or 16, which James Wiseman was. There's not a lot of guys who are seven feet with that level of athleticism and coordination like on the planet, period. Um, It doesn't surprise me, but it's just, it's a reminder that you can't just assume what happens on other teams and with other players like doesn't affect you with the Warriors. You know, like the Warriors, I think have loved to feel like they have this insulated bubble that keeps them outside of the drama you see like with like James Harden demanding a trade or like all these things, which all come from the same place of like players talking to other players and feeling emboldened that like they're unhappy in their certain situation. So I just think the Wiseman KD thing is like kind of another reminder of that. I think Rob was trying to go somewhere else or he's not. I don't care. Yeah, I didn't take the bait. (laughs) KD didn't like Steve. Like he didn't, he liked him in the beginning, but I think by the time uh, by the time he had left, he didn't he didn't like the way that Steve coached and and I mean he didn't like a lot of things because that's fucking that's Kevin Durant. It's whines about anything. Uh, he didn't like the he didn't like the system that the Warriors were running because he felt like, hey, we're gonna win anyways because we're amazingly talented. But there needs to be a little flip. And he said it on the record, so this is I don't think this even needs to be sourced. Oh yeah, remember those press conferences where he would criticize the coaching and everyone's like, I mean, everyone was like, does this mean he's leaving? Because obviously. That's the first thing you think of. But like in retrospect, maybe we should have took him at maybe we should have took him a little more at face value of having issues. Let's because he was right. He was right. He, he was right. It just didn't matter. Like we didn't mm-hmm. care. I think I think we I always say the Warriors would have beat Houston in five if they had just run pick and roll instead of taking it seven games. Like I always say that, but who cares? They won. Like who gives this is not LeBron, right? You win, you win. You lose, you don't even if you lose, you don't make things up to say that you could have won. Like you win, you win. That that's what matters. But I think you look back now, and this is, I don't know if this is revisionist history or not, but you listen to what KD said, and his thing was, yeah, we just need to be a little more flexible offensively because we probably could win these games easier if we did. More isolation, more like things like that. And I don't know if he's wrong at the time, but he's definitely not wrong now. And I think that's, that's kind of the point. Um, and hopefully he's not telling Wiseman that because we still want Wiseman to be to be good and, and fun, but you see Wiseman moping out there all day long. <laughs> maybe I'll blame that on KD, Sam. Maybe, maybe that's what I'll do because that's that's a that's a KD staple, the fucking moping all the time. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> maybe KD was like the cue for this entire blow up. Like he was dropping hints all along, man. Like Kerr can't coach, pick and roll. 
November 7th. <laughs> Next level destruction, like doing it from his his penthouse somewhere in New York, just mm-hmm. destroying everything. No. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is bad. It might get worse if we find out that Looney is silently talking to Michael Rappaport every day as well. Um, oh, man. <laughs> so, so perhaps there's, there's a, a worse floor here. I don't know. Uh, let's leave it at that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Sam and Andy. Uh, we could, we could hear you on the light years pod. Anything else you guys want to plug? That's it. Check out light years. You can find an Apple, Spotify, anywhere. Thanks guys. Definitely on Spotify for sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks guys for joining us. Uh, Rob and I will be back week until then. Uh, we'll see you.